0: Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in
1: Faith. Abner and Joab use God. I mean, when Joab talks about an oath. He uses the name Elohim. That means the God of the universe. He doesn't use that special name for God, Yahweh or Jehovah, that refers to the covenant relationship with the people of God and God. You could see there's a distance in his relationship with God. Abner and Joab, both are shallow. Religion can be a front.
0: Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see. Changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. We need to be careful of people using religion for personal gain. There are some who will share Christian messages and rattle off Bible verses but have no real connection to God. These people have an agenda and they aren't interested in actually pursuing God in the process. In today's message, Pastor Ed reminds us to be rooted in God so that we can spot these charlatans. When we allow God to guide our lives, He will make it apparent when He wants us to go and who He wants us to serve. Now, here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith.
1: Building in Faith. The more choices we have, the more chances we have to make mistakes. That's why we must seek God for his direction in our lives. The more open doors, the more options, the more one has to say, God, show me what you want me to do. David spoke boldly in Psalm 27. Listen to his words. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? How can he speak with such courage and such boldness and such strength? Verse 14, the last verse of Psalm 27, is the anchor that kept him grounded so that he could speak with such faith. It says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. David had learned to wait on God, to seek God. Not to rush ahead of God, nor to lag behind. Not to go out presumptuously, but to simply wait in trust. And that's what he does. He waits, and he prays, and he seeks God. So when you're pursuing God's purpose for your life, Remember, wait for the Lord. The songwriter wrote, I was born for a reason, not just by chance. God has a purpose in letting my breath last. If I seek Him, I will find Him. For with the help of God, there is nothing, nothing I can't do. And David had learned to prayerfully wait. It didn't stop there because You do need to pray. But David was walking into a virtual minefield. There were competitors. There was animosity. There was all sorts of emotions going on in Israel because they considered him many an outlaw. They looked at him as someone that Saul was trying to get rid of, and so There were all sorts of feelings and emotions and minefields that David would have to navigate through. He had to walk wisely. We must wisely pursue God's purposes in your life. God has a purpose for you, a plan for you. Just don't take the dice and roll it and say, okay, I'll try this, I'll try that. Many times we could sabotage God's plan in our life because we lack wisdom. We act unwisely in what we do and what we say and we bring upon ourselves grief or trouble. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 78. He describes David. He says, he chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart With skillful hands, he led them. David was like a shepherd leading the people to green pastures, helping them to achieve what they were supposed to achieve. And David also, though, the Bible says he had skillful hands. That means he had insight, understanding. He had a sense of intelligence about what he was doing. And then it says in the text that he had integrity of heart these were inner compasses guides that helped him navigate through difficult waters he walked wisely the wisdom that he had is displayed in his discernment you could see that he was a discerning man in verses 4 to 6 of second samuel when david Was told that it was the men of Jabesh Gilead who had buried Saul. He sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead to say to them, The Lord bless you for showing kindness to Saul, your master, by burying him. May the Lord now show you kindness and faithfulness. I too will show you the same favor because of what you have done. David at this moment cast aside throws away cultural advice, the norms of society. The norms were, you kill your competitors. If someone supported another monarchy, another king, and especially if you were marked as an enemy, guess what? They're on your hit list. Guess what? You wipe out their lineage to secure your own. What David does is absolutely incredible because he has a discernment from God. He's not governed by the culture. He's guided by God's word, God's principles. Here, Saul and his sons had been beheaded. Their emaciated bodies were hanging from the wall. They were sort of a byword, for those who saw and passed by. And the men of Jabesh-Gilead risked their own lives to take those bodies down and give them a decent burial. The house of Saul had a debt to these men of Jabesh-Gilead who had remembered Saul's kindness to them early in his reign. What David does is that I'm going to remember the kindness that you have shown. I'm going to pay you back. Wow. David, that's so different. Sometimes when people climb the ladder of success, they step on everyone below them, and they use people rather than building people. That's the way of the world. David was going to honor those men... Who behaved honorably. We live in a culture by and large of dishonor. We live in a culture by and large. That dishonors what God honors. There was a study done. In this study it was a world almanac of facts. And they interviewed 2,000 American 8th graders. And they asked them. What are your heroes? Who are those people you admire? And the only people that those young people admired were sports celebrities and movie stars, the icons. Among the 30 prominent personalities, they were all entertainers and there were athletes. There were no statesmen, no authors, no painters, musicians, architects, doctors, astronauts. None of those people capture the imagination of those 8th graders. And the commentator said that what we've done is we've created a society where people are looking at what who's the biggest, who's the most well-known, not on real accomplishments. As you look at chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4... A question might come in your mind because there's so many details about Abner and Joab and all these conflicts that are going on. Why did the writer of Scripture spend so much ink on those characters? I think what he was doing is he was setting up a contrast in the way David was going to work and in the way those in that culture, who dishonored God, were going to work. In Romans, it says, Give to everyone what you owe them. Give respect and honor to whom all it is due. Abner sets up Ishbosheth as the king of the northern tribes. Abner had been a general of Saul, he had been a cousin of Saul, he had been in the family. And so he takes Ishbosheth and he sets him up. Do you know what Ishbosheth's name means? Man of shame. Wow. Man of shame. Abner honors the man of shame. David honors those who are honorable. There's a big, big difference. We look sometimes for greatness rather than goodness. We look at sometimes people's persona instead of people's character David was a discerning man and he used a different set of values what you honor what you treat with respect shows you what you value there's this theme following through first and second samuel it's found in the early chapters then that honor me i will honor And those who treat me lightly will be judged. Those words were spoken to Eli, the high priest, who honored his sons before honoring God. If we're going to pursue the purposes of God, first, honor what God honors. Value what he values. There was another aspect to David's life in that he walked wisely. He had integrity. He had integrity. In Psalm 25, one of David's psalms, he says, guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame. I take refuge in you. My integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. The idea of integrity here is there's a sincerity, there's a simplicity, there's an honesty about him. David doesn't have duplicity. There's a truthfulness about who he is. What happens is so many times when we have duplicity, it trips us up. I was reading about a contractor, and this contractor had a long-term contract with a customer. And after a number of months he came to the customer and said, you know, I noticed this week you gave me the check and it's $200 short. You've underpaid me $200. And so the customer looked at them and said, well, last week I made a mistake and gave you $200 too much. I overpaid you. Why didn't you complain about that? And here was the contractor's reply. The contractor said, well, I don't mind an occasional mistake. But when it becomes a habit, I feel I have to say something. (laughs) Well, is it to our benefit or is it to our hurt? Integrity says, I'm going to do the right thing. David had integrity of heart. What happens is Abner and Joab use God. I mean, when Joab talks about an oath, he uses the name Elohim. That means the God of the universe. He doesn't use that special name for God, Yahweh or Jehovah, that refers to the covenant relationship with the people of God and God. You could see there's a distance in his relationship with God. Abner and Joab, both are shallow. Religion can be a front, for our self interest. That's the way it is for Abner. You know what Abner does? He goes to Ishbosheth. He's going to set him up as king. And you know why he sets him up as king? It's because he has power. Ishbosheth is merely a puppet king. It says in the biblical text that Abner grows in power in Saul's kingdom or reign or in Israel. Now, when Abner notices that those in Judah begin to gain power and strength, and that the northern kingdom is waning in strength, and then when Ishbosheth makes an accusation and accuses him of some behavior that was wrong, he gets angry. And he goes and says, I'm going to go to David and make David king. And so he uses his political power to do that. Why? Because he wants a place of control. He wants a place in the government. He wants to keep the power. It's very dangerous when we lack integrity because we use our positions, we could use our resources, we can use others for our self-interest. Now, I won't talk about politics. I'll let you just think about it. Abner, why did you set up Ishbosheth as king? Why did you do that? Don't you remember what Samuel said when he poured the anointing oil? It was all over the nation. Don't you remember what Jonathan said? David, you'll be king. Don't you remember when David spared Saul's life and Saul weeping said, my son David, you will be king. You are more just and righteous than I. Abner's self-interest blinded and blocked him. The last temptation is the greatest treason to do the right deed for the wrong reason. Abner is motivated by the wrong motivations. God looks at the heart. That's why he chose David, a man after his own heart. There has to be a constant tending and watching and searching our motives. Because we're all made of the same stuff. We all have a fallen nature. God help us. And so, if you're going to pursue God's purposes in your life, whatever that purpose may be, whatever that plan may be, first of all, you're going to be prayerful about it. You're going to seek God's guidance. You're not going to rush ahead of God. You're not going to lag behind God. But you're going to hear His voice and get instruction from Him. You're going to do it wisely because we walk in a world filled with minefields. And if we don't make wise decisions, we could sabotage ourselves. We need discernment. We need integrity. And lastly, we must anticipate opposition when pursuing God's purposes. Psalm 25 again. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. David teaches us that we're not living on a playground, but a battlefield. There will be opposition for you, for me, for every one of us when we decide to do God's will in our lives. There's the outward opposition. It says that Abner sets up Ishbosheth as king. It's amazing when you say, I'm going to deepen my prayer life, how busy your life comes. Well, I'm really going to get in the word. How many distractions happen. Well, you know, I'm going to increase my commitment, my devotion, my dedication. I'm going to be a holy, godly man. And all of a sudden, all these things come up. And you say, boy, make a determination to live, to walk, to serve God. And watch that be challenged. It will. Anticipate. Expect that the enemy doesn't want you to move forward in your relationship with God. There is opposition. Now, David navigates incredibly well in these chapters. Everything he does is pleasing the people, winning favor. I mean, God's wisdom is upon him. God's anointing is upon him. And these are his best years. But watch, because the greatest battles are not those that are outward. There are those that are inward. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the person who does the will of my Father. In 1 Peter chapter 3.15, I believe it is. It says, make the Lord, sanctify the Lord in your heart. Jesus is Lord. That's something that we have to do again and again. If I could just allegorize for just one moment. Just make an allegory. Each one of us has a kingdom in our heart. And there's a greater than David, David's son, King Jesus. He wants to sit and reign in your heart. But there's a rebel, and his name is Self. And he wants to overthrow, and he wants to sit on that throne. And there is a battle until we get to the grave. David's greatest problems will not be with Joab, though he was a problem. Abner, though he was a problem. Though the other, his greatest problems are within himself. When you run after God's purposes in your life, when you seek to achieve all that He wants you to achieve as a believer, as a Christian, as a parent, as a young person. That journey that starts maybe as a teenager when God drops a word in your heart and it goes through your heart all through the years and it seems like life is this process of becoming and achieving what God wants you to come and achieve. Recognize there's an inner battle that goes on. Jim Collins wrote the book, Good to Great. And he also wrote another book, How the Mighty Have Fallen. It's a book how companies by bad decisions fail and companies by good decisions succeed. And there's a quote, whether you prevail or fail, endure or die, depends more on what you do to yourself than what on the world does to you. It's not Saul, it's not Abner, it's not Joab, it's David. It's David. And what you have to do is say, Lord, reign in me. Reign in my life. Now, David is going to have a great joy. Because in chapter 5, verse 12, it says that David... Knew, he perceived that God had given them the kingdom. And in Psalm 75, the psalmist says that promotion doesn't come from the north or the south or the east or the west. It's God that lifts up a person. And David didn't run and grasp after it on his own like Ishbosheth did. No, no. David followed God. And at the end of that chapter, in chapter 5, you see him. Experience God's promises fulfilled in his life. David had three anointings. It's interesting that every new phase in David's life, he had a fresh anointing from God. You know, I mean? he had a fresh anointing. As a 15-year-old he got anointed and then he's ready to slay some giants. And then he begins to rule over Judah, the southern kingdom and They anoint him again, a fresh anointing. And then over all the nation, and he gets a fresh anointing. God wants to give you a fresh anointing so that you will accomplish his purposes, his plan for your life. Let King Jesus reign in your life. Let him govern and guide and direct your hearts, attitudes and thoughts and actions, everything you do. Let him reign in you.
0: We're so glad you joined us today for another edition of Building in Faith as Dr. Ed Jones teaches more from the incredible life of David. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's message and that you desire to seek God's will for your own life. Following God is an adventure and definitely goes against the grain of the world, but it's filled with the freedom that grace provides and blessings beyond compare. Would you like to know more about having a relationship with God? We'd love to tell you more. Please give us a call at 845-462-5955. And let us share how Jesus has changed our lives. If you'd like to learn more about the Building in Faith Radio Ministry or to hear more messages from Pastor Ed, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll also find more information about Pastor Ed and the activities for your family at Faith Assembly. Our church has weekly services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We would be honored to have you join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area. Each service is spent in fellowship with other believers, learning more about our Savior and praising Him for all that He has done for us. Give us a call for more information. Our number again is 845-462-5955. We hope today's message has blessed you and that no matter what is happening in your life right now, you're turning to Jesus for the love and guidance you need. Please join us next time on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed dives deeper into the life of David. Your word and peace.